Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. In multiple cities around the world, people are holding rallies to show solidarity with the protesters inside of mainland China. This past weekend, Chinese residents all across the country protested the communist regime's draconian COVID policies. These white sheets of paper have become a symbol of protest in China, and they are spreading. Dozens of protesters gathered in Hong Kong on Monday to show solidarity. I'm here because I don't quite agree with mainland China's policies on COVID. Vigils and protests have popped up in a number of cities around the world. In the U.S., protesters gathered outside the State Department in Washington, D.C. Rallies were also held at the University of California, Berkeley, and outside of Columbia University in New York City. Um, the fact that Chinese um, and the young people in China have, have finally sent, stood up to, uh, to, the corrupt, uh, to, to the corrupt and coercive government. For decades, we have been silenced. We have not been able to voice our, um, we have not been able to voice our dissent. But, but this weekend, what happened this weekend, what happened over the last week has once again, like, it, it inspired me. U.S. senators are also reacting to the protests inside China. I think we're seeing the Chinese people speak up for more freedom against the COVID lockdown policies. I support that against the technology censorship. And I think these things are going to continue. Uh, and, and, and I think it's a, the reaction of the Chinese government should be a wake-up call to the world. These people want to be the most powerful country in the world. If they do that to their own people, what will they do to you? Protests in China erupted over a deadly apartment fire in the Xinjiang region last week. Ten people were killed in the fire, and the Chinese regime's strict pandemic measures are believed to have blocked the rescue efforts. And now joining us to discuss the protests in China, we have Trevor Loudon, author and expert on communist movements. Trevor Loudon, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Trevor, with what we're seeing unfolding in China right now, um, is this bigger than COVID zero uh, policy? And where do you see this going? No, I, I think it is bigger. I think it's very, very um, encouraging that the people in China are, are, are really, this is destroying the whole CCP narrative, that the people are, are, are on board with the CCP's agenda and they've accepted the, that this is the best way to go. This is way beyond COVID. This is an actual, you know, as you've seen some, some of the reports, this is an actual pushback against the CCP per se. And it's interesting right now, we've got big anti-communist protests in Brazil, the same in Bolivia, you know, that have gone on for weeks, a big protest against the Iranian regime, which is a sort of theocratic form of communism in itself going on in Iran. So as the screws tighten around the world, the people are rising up and pushing back. And, and I expect this is really going to rock the CCP regime in China. Trevor, what should the volume or level of support be for these protesters uh, from democratic countries around the world? Well, it should be intense. It should be, um, we should be right there, uh, right right beside them. The problem is we've got so many of our political leaders are so compromised by the CCP that the criticism is either very muted or not at all. 
we've seen the same with the protests in um in iran there's been very little real support from western governments when this is a chance to if those people on the streets had some support from the west they would topple the mullahs if the people in the ground in china have significant support from the west they will carry this on and, and we could see the end of the ccp this is too good a chance to miss and unfortunately we have too many compromised leaders on that note, Trevor, you have a new book out which warns of uh, Chinese uh, Communist Party infiltration, specifically within our own country. Uh, if you could, tell us about your new book. Well, it's two books. It's part one and part two released together as a set. Security Risk Senators, part one and two. And um, each book is 400 pages with 50 pages of footnotes, profiling 30 currently serving U.S. senators and detailing their ties to the CCP, to Iran, to Cuba, um, and to local communist movements. So what we're saying is we've got 30 US senators who are deeply compromised. They are security risks, but they're running every major committee in the US Senate, and they are cooperating with America's enemies in the CCP and Iran, and other countries to the detriment of the, of the people. There's a shocking evidence in these books. So I think most people will be blown away when they read the content. It sounds uh, very fascinating and compelling. Um, Trevor, before I let you go, the CCP is uh, telling folks inside of China that these protests are being provoked by foreign uh, forces. This is a common uh, theme. Uh, has this trick run dry for the CCP? Well, look, nobody believes them. You know, look, look. do you think really um, any foreign entity is going to be in China stirring this up, you know, with the, the police state that the CCP has? Look, this shows that people would risk their lives. They would get out on the streets, risk their lives against one of the world's most totalitarian regimes. Tells me they are true believers. They have had enough. They've had enough of the suppression, of the lies, of the executions, of the persecution, of the, the mass, the Maoist mass line that's been enforced. And they see this as their shot for freedom. You have to be pretty darn desperate to get out on the streets and confront the CCP when you know that you're putting your life at risk and the lives of your family at risk. So we should be cheering these people on and offering them every bit of moral and, and, and political economic support we can muster because their fight is our fight. We can bring down the CCP. That won't just be good for us. It'll be good for everybody, the people of China, the people all around the world. Imagine the end of the CCP. It'd be like the end of the Nazi party, only even better. Trevor Loudon, thank you so much for joining us. Thank pleasure. The U.S. military is facing an unprecedented recruiting crisis. This past fiscal year falling short by nearly 25%. That's roughly 15,000 soldiers. This has made the Army cut back on its projections for next year. What's behind the current crisis? And more importantly, what are the consequences? We spoke with senior counsel at First Liberty Institute, Michael Berry. Barry has served as an attorney with the U.S. Marines and is still active in the Marine Corps Reserves. Michael Barry, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. 
Of course. Michael, uh, the U.S. is the world leader uh, mainly because of our strong military, but now we're facing uh, a recruitment crisis. Uh, can you describe the situation and the challenges that uh, we're facing? Well, our military is facing a recruiting and retention crisis of epic proportions. Uh, we haven't really seen a crisis uh, reach this level since we've gone to an all-volunteer force. And I say recruiting and retention. Not only are we having trouble attracting young uh, you know, high school graduates who want to join the military, we're also having trouble keeping some of our best troops. And a lot of that has to do with the, the you know, so-called woke ideology that has plagued the military. Uh, it used to be called political correctness back in the day. And it also has to do with this vaccine mandate that tens of thousands of troops have expressed strong religious objections to, and the Department of Defense doesn't seem to be uh, listening to its own people. It's not listening, it's not following the data, it's not following the science, as we've been told for so long that we have to do. And now we're, it's now reaping the, uh, the results of poor leadership and poor management. Michael, given the current uh, international environment, we have uh, the war in Russia and Ukraine, uh, the intense situation between China and Taiwan. You have North Korea, which has been an ongoing issue, not to mention Iran in the Middle East. Do you think this recruit recruitment shortage affects our position in all of these regions? Oh, it has to. It absolutely has to. Uh, anytime you, you, you know, well, let, let's start from the top, right? That in the military, under current military doctrine, Anytime a unit starts to approach anywhere around the 20% uh, reduction in strength number, right? In other words, if one out of five of your troops are unable or incapable of performing their job, you start to approach what's called combat ineffectiveness. In other words, that unit is not able to actually accomplish its mission in a combat role. And we are already seeing uh, recruiting and retention numbers reach those levels of where our military will soon become combat ineffective. For America's adversaries, they know that. They know that our military is suffering a recruiting and retention crisis. And again, as I stated earlier, a lot of it has to do with this vaccine mandate, this unconstitutional, unlawful vaccine mandate. And it's a self-inflicted wound, right? We're losing more service members, more combat-capable troops than any of America's adversaries could ever hope to inflict upon us. Why? Because of ideology. Right? You have tens of thousands of troops who have a religious objection, and under current military uh, regulations and policy, those troops can get a medical exemption, they can get an administrative exemption, but the Pentagon refuses to grant them religious exemptions. That's un unconstitutional religious discrimination. It's unlawful, and yet the DOD continues to go down this track. And as you said, our adversaries are very aware of this. They know exactly what's happening, and I think, I predict that they're just waiting for the right opportunity to take advantage of that and to continue to further weaken our nation. Michael, I wanna bring us back to World War II. Uh, many elites, uh, if you will, from Harvard and MIT went to the battleground, to the front lines uh, to fight for this country. But now you're seeing more young people are attracted to these high paying jobs, which you know I don't blame them, but it seems very hard to turn the situation around. What's our plan to win in the future? Well, I'm glad that you brought up history and, 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 and the need to have an appropriate understanding of who actually joins the military these days. And by every study that I've seen, the person who's most likely to join the military in the United States is somebody who identifies as highly religious. 
uh, and they are statistically much more likely to join the military than someone who identifies as non-religious. And yet, the highly religious young Americans are exactly who the military is turning away and turning off from wanting to join the military. And the parents of those people who are highly religious are also saying, I don't want my son or daughter to join the military. Legacies, right? So in other words, those who have family members who served in the military are significantly more likely to join the military. And yet, I can tell you from personal experience that people who are veterans themselves are telling their family members who might be eligible to join the military, stay away, right? The military is not what it used to be. It's no longer a place that welcomes people of faith or patriots in this country. They only want somebody who is going to be a yes man and who will simply follow the woke ideology of the day. And what that's going to do to our military is turn it into a mercenary force. If all you have are people who simply will get in line and do exactly what they're told and they won't think for themselves, they won't be independent thinkers and, and have the ability to, to determine right from wrong from a moral and ethical perspective, you have nothing more than a mercenary force. And that is never what our military was intended to be. We are always supposed to be a force for good in this world and for our nation. If those who are who are told to put their lives on the line for our constitutional freedoms and our rights are having those very freedoms and rights stripped away, what are we going to be left with? Like I said, it'll be nothing more than than a, than a shell, a hollowed out shell of its former self. And that is no way to defend a nation. Michael Berry, really appreciate your insight. Thank you for having me. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.